0: The title of today's talk is Glorious Purpose. Glorious Purpose. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central event that defines all of human history. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central event that defines all of human history. God stepped out of eternity into our human existence he lived the perfect life he died as the perfect sacrifice paid the ultimate price on our behalf for our freedom rose again to new life to save us restore us redeem us and bring us back into alignment for what he originally planned in his purpose for humanity and all of creation Jesus died for you, and my question for you today is, will you live for him? Jesus died for you, and my question to you today is, will you live for him? So the question that I now ask to follow up that is, what does it mean to live for him? What does it mean to live for God? Paul writes to us in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, and he says, The righteous shall live by faith. And he was quoting the prophet Habakkuk, who 600 years before Jesus came to the earth wrote this in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4 Look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. It is through faith that a righteous person has life. The righteous, Shall live by faith. Jesus died, rose again, and his righteousness now becomes our own. And as the people of God who put their faith in him, we go forward day to day in faith. The righteous will live by faith. So, now the question that I now propose, because I ask questions all the time, I hope it's the same for you, never stop learning, is what does it mean to live by faith? Because we can come to church, hear somebody say something, we're like, amen, but what do it be meaning? The righteous will live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? I'm glad you asked. The biblical definition of faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and we're going to read verse 6 as well. And it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, my faith is still anchored. Jumping down, it is, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him by faith. So the biblical definition of faith is I choose to trust God who exists outside of my senses. God is not limited to my human experience. God is not limited to my sight, my hearing, my smell, my taste, my touch, and if I forgot one, don't hold it against me. I don't (laughs) know. I don't need to be stimulated in my senses to trust and have confidence in what I hope for. And what is it that I'm hoping for? Jesus is who he says he is. That he's done what he said he was going to do and he is in the process of redeeming me. My faith is in him alone. It transcends this human experience. Everything we know, everything that we do to take in information in our day-to-day is run through our senses. Well, faith transcends that. So I don't need to see to know that you're good and that you're real. I don't need to feel because you're greater than that. That's what our faith is. Faith is the conscious choice, it's a decision, and we don't have blind faith. Our faith is rooted in the fact that Jesus came, died, rose again, and is seated in heaven, and he is going to return to restore all things. That is what my faith is anchored in it's a confidence. It's a confidence. And there is an eternal amount of reasons for us to live by faith. But for the sake of time, 35 minutes and 45 seconds, I'm only going to say four. Jesus died for you. Will you live for him? The righteous will live by faith. Faith transcends my human experience. I want to live by faith. And Mark chapter 16 gives us four clear purposes that we are called to hold onto and walk forward in faith. You ready, church? You with me? The first one. By faith, my identity is grounded and found in who God is. By faith, I find my identity in him. By faith, I find my identity in him. The second one. By faith, I remain anchored to his word. By faith, I don't find my purpose outside of anything other than the person of who Jesus is and what he said and declared already in his word. By faith, I'm grounded and anchored to the word of God. The third one, by faith, I don't worry because I know he is 100% in control. By faith... I don't worry because I know he is 100% in control. And the fourth one, and certainly not least, by faith, I have an authentic, intimate, real relationship with the God of our universe. By faith, I have a real relationship with him. So Mark chapter 16 starts off in verse 1 with this. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome went out to purchase, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other who will row away, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled away. By faith, my identity is found in Jesus. And we can leave this verse up. I love the Bible. The Bible is honest, it is real, and it is so relatable to us because the human condition has not changed at all. Since the beginning of time till now, people are people, and we need someone, something greater than ourselves outside of ourselves to give us meaning and purpose. By faith, my identity is found in him. I love the faith and commitment of these women. And did you know that Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala, where she was from, is the first person that we have our account for on record that Jesus revealed himself to when he resurrected? She is the first person that Jesus revealed himself to after he rose. From the dead. And throughout time, Mary's name has been thrown around. There's been a lot of speculation about her, a lot of what you could say, rumors that most likely are inaccurate and not very likely are true. We only know three things about Mary the first one, that she was a woman who Jesus healed, cast out seven demons out of her. And an illness, She was among the followers of Jesus that sacrificed financially to support the ministry of Jesus. And third, she is one of less than a handful of people to be an eyewitness to the life, trial, torture, execution of Jesus and his resurrection. Those are the only three things we know about her. And over time, people have thrown her name around associated her with the woman with the issue of blood, the woman caught in adultery that was thrown at the feet of Jesus, that she was caught up in a, a promiscuous, adulterous past. And that simply, very likely, was not true. Jesus died to remove labels from people. Jesus died to relate to remove the labels that we put on ourselves and other people. So, even if it is true about her past, it doesn't matter. Even if, even if every man in her past approached her with selfish, evil, lustful motives to degrade her and break her down and use her intake, she encountered one man who was unlike any other man who redeemed her, restored her, <laughs> loved her, cleansed her, set her free. And that's the only thing that matters is that our identity is found in the person of Jesus and who he says we are. We read the Bible and we say the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus doesn't see us by our situations. The woman caught in adultery doesn't matter. Shame is not from God. Condemnation is not from God. And Jesus can look at us and not see us as a result of the sin that has ravaged us. He sees the child that he created and he loves. And by his grace, he washes us and restores us. So you tell that voice to shut up. Stop playing in your head what happened. Don't believe those lies, those labels, that shame that comes. The Holy Spirit will convict but to heal so that way we can go forward. The Bible says that the old us was crucified with Christ. Our sins are nailed on the cross with him, are left in the the grave, and he rose to new life. And our identity is found in that. So we can go forward as a new creation. By faith, our identity is rooted and grounded and found in who Jesus is. Amen? The second one. By faith, we remain anchored to God's word. By faith, we remain anchored to God's word. When we think of Jesus doing his earthly ministry, we get a flashcard image of our mind of Jesus and 12 men following him, which is true. But women were among his followers as well. In a time where women were seen less than, Men would literally wake up and pray and thank God that they weren't born a woman. In a time where women were beat down, used, abused, and just seen as less than, Jesus elevated women, respected women, cared for them, loved them, saw them with honor and dignity. He protected them. And men, it's on us to be like Jesus and do the same. It's on us to be like Jesus and do the same. So Jesus valued these women. But these women at the tomb were different. These women were committed. These women were all in. In Luke chapter 8, verse 2, it says that these women literally gave of all their resources to support Jesus and the disciples in the ministry, which is a beautiful picture that men can't be left alone. We need y'all help. <laughs> but these women have just been through hell. These women have just been through trauma. And they were with Jesus in the darkest days and hours of his life. They were there when he was taken in the night, arrested, falsely accused, spit on, beaten, and mocked. They witnessed firsthand him in the crowd chanting, crucify him, give us Barabbas, turning their backs on them, mocking him, tearing him down. They were there when the Roman soldiers stripped him naked, plucked the hair out of his beard, put a crown of thorns, hit him over the head, beat him, took whips with bones and glass and ripped his body open and the blood poured out. They saw it. They were there when they nailed him to the cross. They were there when they lifted him up and watched for hours as he gasped at the air, pulled himself up. It was there when he was pierced in the side, when he gave up his life, when he was taken down, was washed, anointed, laid up in Joseph's tomb. And they were there, the Bible says, Mary in particular, when they sealed the stone shut over the grave. They witnessed it all. That is trauma on a whole nother level. And I love that the Bible is so relatable and it gives us these details. Because if that was me and you that just witnessed what these women witnessed, we would have forgot what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 too. Jesus said in advance that these things have to happen. I'm going to be given over. I'm going to be killed on the third day. I'm going to rise up. But what they saw caused them to forget what they heard. How many times do we allow what we see and experience to change and affect what we've heard? How many times do we allow what's happening around us and in us to shake our faith? And what we know God has already said and done. But what I love about these women is though, even though they forgot the word, even though they were shaken up in their faith, they were committed. They were still there, fully present. In Jesus' darkest times to the end, they did not leave him. Where was Peter? James, the other 12, two of them were leaving Jerusalem. When Jesus resurrected, he had to meet them on the road and bring them back. Where were they? But these women, even though it was dark, even though it didn't make sense, they had something that transcended their experience, faith, and they stayed. They were committed. can the same be said about you. Jesus, I'm yours. I am with you. I am for you. Even when it's dark, even when it doesn't make sense. I don't care what I'm seeing, experience, what I think, what I say, what I feel. I'm yours and I'm not going anywhere. How different would those three days have been? if the disciples gather together in faith and remember what Jesus said in advance, if they remembered his word. And I love that God still has something to work with. Even though they didn't have faith, even though they were shaken up, they were still there. Just like Mary, Thomas is associating with doubting, and we throw his name around too. But I got to give Thomas credit. He was still in the room. He was still in the room. And when Jesus reveals himself to him, shows him the scars, Thomas puts his faith in him again and says, Lord, it's you. What is Jesus' response? You believe because you've seen. But blessed are those that believe who have not seen. He was talking about us. So my question to you is, can we be the disciples, the followers of Jesus that are shaken up by what is happening around us and in us and in our lives, but we remain anchored to what Jesus has already said in his word? How can you obey what you don't know? How can you be led if you haven't read? Do you have life verses that serve as an anchor for you to go back to. Do you have some scriptures memorized so that when something pops off in real time, you can go back to that and speak the word of God in faith to overcome. We are renewed by the, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind that comes from the word of God. Being a student of the word isn't an option church. It's not an option. But, Dre, I just don't be reading, man. (laughs) Listen to it. In the 21st century, there is no excuse with all the resources that we have to grow in the word of God. Because it's not just information. It is not just good vibes. It is life itself. And Jesus never disassociates himself with his word. We're going to get to that in a little bit. By faith, we are anchored in God's word. So as a church, can we take personal responsibility of our souls and get back to the basics of prayer, prayer, Praying for our families, praying for our church, praying for people, and getting back to building our lives on the word of God. It is the only thing that is unshakable. You need something that transcends what you're seeing, hearing, and feeling, and experiencing. Your faith in the eternal word of God. The third one by faith so we said by faith my identity is grounded in God my faith is by faith my identity is found in him by faith i am grounded i'm anchored in the word of God and the third one by faith i don't have to worry because i know God is in control <clears throat> by faith i don't have to worry because i know that God is in control These women were on their way to an empty tomb, worrying, questioning, who's going to roll away the stone for us? They were on their way worrying about something that God had already taken care of in a way that they could not fathom. They were on their way to anoint a dead body. They were on their way to a tomb. Isn't it crazy how we get so caught up in our planning in the natural and God is doing something exceedingly greater in the supernatural? We're looking at things at this perspective and God is like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to bring y'all here. (laughs) You're trying to go anoint a dead body and Jesus is over here resurrected. You're over here looking for the living among the dead. The Bible says that There's a way that seems right to man, but it leads in death. In Proverbs, it says that we can make our plans, but it's God's purpose that will prevail. These women were headed towards a grave with a plan. And God had something entirely different in mind. What in your life have you been trying to make your own plan? That without Jesus, the source of life is going to end in a grave. Jesus said, if you try to find your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, you will find true life, which will give value to everything else in your life. These women were walking towards a grave. What have you planned in your life? You trying to find your own way, come up with your own plan trying to write your own story, trying to make your own decisions, living in I'm doing me, living in my will be done, when it's ultimately going towards the grave. But there's a better way, and it goes against everything that we wanna do in and of ourselves, to truly surrender and to align ourselves with Jesus. So simple, so profound, but yet so hard. Because the first step is I got to get over me and die to me. What are you worrying about that God has already taken care of? They were worrying about moving a stone to anoint a dead body. God had his thing in mind. Are you going to continue to do your thing? Or by faith are you going to trust and believe in God? And can I say this? Success, according to God, is not found in your potential. What do I mean by that? Success to God isn't you going out and doing something in life. That's man's idea of success. The world tells you you got to do you, write your own story define yourself, do your own thing, Mm-mm. How can you wrote something that's already been written? You guys are very intelligent and smart. I can see it in your eyes. Stay with me. God has already written the story of your life. True success is submitting to him, so that way you come in alignment with what he's already set for you. So it's by surrender that I find my life because God, think about this. I told myself I wasn't gonna use any Marvel references, but I'm breaking my own lie. I love Marvel. You remember in Infinity War when Doctor Strange was looking at all the different realities? And then Tony Stark is like, How many did we win? One. God is all knowing, knows everything that can and will happen and in his all-knowing nature he chose the best possible option for your life come on, come on. so out of all the things that you can do in your potential he writ one and we're the geniuses that say i'm gonna do me <laughs> we don't know what's gonna happen five seconds from now never mind a year five years ten years our life so how about and here's the thing you don't have to wake up every day. Am I in the will of God? Yeah. When you remain submitted to Him, when you stay in community, when you stay anchored in the Word of God, and you walk, it's a walk, it's a journey, it's a process that unfolds over time. You don't have to worry because it says that the light is a foot to your step. He is faithful to lead you and guide you. These women walking to the tomb could not comprehend the fullness of what God was really doing. So he doesn't reveal our whole plan to us. He just says, stay with me, walk there. Stay with me, be faithful here. Stay with me, work with what I put right in front of you. And as that unfolds, you look back and say, wow, God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life, look back and say, that was Dre. That's a fear of mine. Because up until I met Jesus and surrendered my life to him, I looked back and I saw a trail of carnage. That was all me. But I pray that I continue to stay surrendered and I can look back and say it's all you, God. And I pray the same for you. God is in control. And can I say this, what you focus on becomes greater in your life. What you're filled with will lead you. We get so worried and anxious because instead of keeping our eyes fixated on Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, we look at everything else and wonder why we're so stressed, anxious, worried, and how we're acting out of our flesh. What do I mean by this? The Bible says submit to God, resist, and the devil will flee. How many times do we in our own strength... Ooh, I'm resisting. Why ain't the devil fleeing? You ain't that strong. But I know one who is. And my Bible says stay surrendered to him and your weakness, his strength becomes your own. Stay submitted. You get the strength to resist. And the devil will flee. Let me put it this way. What you're filled with will lead your life. When you're filled with the spirit of God, when you come to him continuously in worship, prayer, his word, surrender to him. You invite the Holy Spirit into your life. The fruit of his spirit becomes evident in your life. And you begin to be led by the spirit of God in your life. Where your perspective is changed. The way you see people in situations, the way that you respond, not react like the old you, the way that you respond. You can truly not try to be light at work. Not try to be so, it's who you are because He is changing you from the inside out. Why? Because you've made the conscious decision by faith to stay submitted and allow Him to work in and now through you. So now it's not something forced that you're trying to do. You ever see Christians that force it? Instead of just being and let it be who they are? That's real change. Jesus is into heart transformation, not behavior modification. So, what is it that I'm trying to say? What you're filled with will lead you. If you're filled with anger, don't be surprised when the decisions that you make throughout your day are filled with anger, tension. When you're filled with anxiety, stress, fear, you make those decisions. When you're filled with lust, the decisions you make are led by lust. But how about I surrender me that needs to die and allow the Holy Spirit to fill me so that way we're led. And what you're focused on is what's going to fill you. Let me put it this way. I'm not saying the things that we battle and worry about aren't real. They are. But what's a big deal to a big God? Let me put it this way: what you focus on. I got Jesus behind me on the cross. Well, he's not on the cross; he's seated now. But to say that cross represents Jesus, this water bottle represents all the things in my life I'm worried about. Instead of being surrendered and submitted to God. I'm fixated on this problem. And the more I analyze it, the bigger it becomes in my life. To the point where it's all I can see. Day in, day out. So that way I can't even honestly see you guys right now. My perspective is warped of you. If I went down and tried to talk to my wife, I would just see her through the lens of this problem. If I go to work and I see my boss. I'm filtering them through the lens of this bottle because it's all I can see. I'm so fixated on this thing. It's all I can see. It's dwarfing my perspective to the point where I would stumble and fall off the stage because I can't see accurately. But if I focus on Jesus, the closer I get to him, the smaller the... It didn't change in size. It's still there. It's still real. But I can see clearly now the rain is gone. It's still there. Now I turn to Jesus and oh my gosh, I am free. That thing is there but it gets smaller and smaller. Focus on Jesus. That is the key. By faith, my confidence is rooted in the fact that God has everything in control. And I'm just being filled and led by his spirit. Amen? Amen. The last one. By faith we have a real relationship with God. By faith, we can experience his presence. By faith, our identity is found in him. By faith, I'm grounded in his word. By faith, I know he's in control, so I don't have to worry because I'm fixated on him, not the things of this world. And by faith, I have a real relationship with him. Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 5. It says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side where Jesus was laid. The woman were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. Now, let me stop here and say this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I have some homework for you. Go and read the written history of the resurrection. I'm not telling you to go read all the books, which you should, but you got your whole life. But this week, go and read the resurrection accounts to all four witnesses. See, when you call in witnesses in a court of law and you get the testimony of each, each one is going to share the event from their perspective of what happened. If somebody asks you today how did church go, every single one of you will share a different experience. How you're experiencing church is completely different from the way our kids are experiencing church right now. But it's still the truth, even though we don't see it from there. The details come together to give us the whole picture, which is beautiful because there's my version of truth, your version of truth, and God's version of the truth who sees all things. So that is so freeing where, I'll get to that at the end. Let me get back to this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, each one is an eyewitness accounts from people that testify to the same event, but share different details that fill in the gaps. So when you read them all together, you get the full scope of what happened. So Mark leaves out certain details that are picked up in other books. So when it says when they entered the tomb, it was talking about the women that went to the tomb, but not Mary. Because in another gospel accounts, it says that Mary came, saw that the tomb was empty, bugged out, and ran to go get Peter and another disciple. So Mary saw the empty tomb, bugged out, ran. These women stayed, went in, and encountered this angel. So right now Mary is going to get Peter. We're going to get to that in a second. So the women were shocked, and they encounter an angel. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. Not he has risen. He is risen. He is the resurrection. He is life itself. If you don't have him, you do not have life. You're just a dead person walking. We'll get to that in a second as well. He is risen from the dead. Now look, this is where they laid his body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The woman fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too afraid. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, I ask a lot of questions. And when I read the Old Testament, I get frustrated. You stupid Israelites, excuse my French. How can you watch plagues descend on the world empire of that time? How can you watch that empire be brought to its knees? Walk in freedom. A million people. Literally witness an ocean split in two. Is that a whale? Like they didn't need faith. They saw walk through on dry land while literally a sea is split in half. They saw that. They saw fire descend on a mountain. They saw the presence of God, the glory of God, a pillar of smoke, a pillar of fire. They received manna and quail from heaven. Texas Roadhouse ain't got nothing on that. Those rolls from Texas Roadhouse go crazy, but that's nothing like bread from heaven with honey and, oh, imagine, imagine. They ate that every day. These people saw miraculous moves of God, but they did not have a personal encounter with the person of God like Moses did. Moses talked with God face to face. Moses, the Bible says, is the most humble man the world has ever seen, which is a trait of what it means to really follow Jesus because you have to first deny yourself, which takes real humility. Moses was humble. He had a relationship with God that he would leave the presence of God glowing, changed, because he knew God like that. They were friends, they were boys. The people saw the things of God, but didn't have their faith anchored in who God was. There's a difference between encountering the things of God and encountering God. There are so many people alive today that have been set free, that have experienced supernatural miracles, and some of them have walked away. There are people that God has done every day as a result of God's grace, every day is a miracle, but people have seen things that that could only be God. People have encountered the supernatural, people have encountered angels, beings, and still walked away, because it didn't mean that they had a personal relationship with Jesus. These women were at the tune and they met an angel And it left them not wanting to tell anyone because they were afraid. But as they were walking afraid, the Bible says that their fear turned into joy, although they were still afraid because they encountered Jesus, who solidified and affirmed what the angel had already said. So what am I trying to say? These people experienced the miraculous without Jesus, and it led to fear and them being paralyzed. But when Jesus came, their faith arose, and they went and told the other disciples. There's a difference between being into the things of God and being in a relationship with God. The purpose of our life this side of eternity is to walk in relationship with God for his glory by faith. The purpose of our life this side of eternity is to walk in relationship with Jesus for his glory by faith. Not to simply just be into the things of God but to be with God and he's in me and I'm in him, I'm abiding and I'm being led by him. So Mary sees the tomb is empty, goes, tells Peter and um, the other disciple that was with them, I believe it's John. It was like, they've taken him and I don't know where he is. So those disciples now run to the grave. Mind you, the women that just encountered this and then encountered Jesus afterwards, They were still fearful. But remember, the first person that Jesus revealed himself to was Mary, and this is what happened. Peter and the other disciple run to the grave with Mary behind. The other disciple outruns him, goes, sees the empty grave, and the Bible says that that disciple immediately believed. But it says that Peter looked in and wondered what these things meant, and they both left. But it says that Mary broke down, stayed at the tomb, and started crying. An angel comes to her and says, woman, why are you crying? And Jesus appears, and she didn't recognize him. And she was crying and said, I don't know where my Lord is. They've taken my Lord, and I don't know where he is. And then Jesus reveals herself reveals himself and she gets up from that place filled with joy and confirms the testimony of the women that went before if you don't have jesus you don't have life you can say what you want about these women and their unwavering faith but one thing is that they were committed can the same be said about you they stuck around regardless of how dark and difficult it looked Regardless of what they experienced, they stayed committed, and that gave God something to work with. But with Mary in particular, her heart's cry is, where is my Lord? My Lord. I'm not into just what Jesus can do for me. I'm into who he is as the leader of my life. There's a lot of people that love Jesus as Savior, but when it comes to Lord... Or in other words, I love what you can do for me. But when it comes to who you are as your position in my life, (laughs) Mary's cry, where is my Lord? Where have they taken him? And Jesus is life. Remember, there's a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. You can make your own plans, but God's purpose will prevail. Here is this woman at the end of herself. And I don't care how good you look on the outside, I don't care how established you are, what you have, if you do not have Jesus, you do not have life. I don't care how much money you have in the bank account, what car you drive, how big your business is, how good your kids are. We all have a void if we don't have God. And if you're honest, just like Mary, maybe not outwardly, you're not crying, but in your heart, you're saying, I don't know where life is. Jesus, Lord, Jesus, life. I don't know where my Lord is. I don't know where life is. And the answer is Jesus. You find Jesus to get true life. So all of us. Without God, find ourselves, regardless of how good the opportunity looks, regardless of how good our plan is, if we put our faith in that and live for that in ourselves, it's going to lead to us at a grave, in a place where dead things are, alone, isolated, crying out in our souls, I don't know where life is, and the answer is Jesus. If you do not have Jesus, you do not have life. You are just a dead person walking. Let me prove it to you. God created Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life in him. And he commanded Adam, do not eat of this fruit. The day you do, you will surely die. It wasn't about a fruit. It was the conscious decision to disobey the word of God. Just think about it. God gave Adam his word, his commandment, his word. And as long as humanity obeyed that word, we had life. The moment we disobeyed the word, it brought death. So what did God do? He had to re-give his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was God and the word was with God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus doesn't disassociate himself From his word, he is the word made flesh. And just as Adam found life by obeying that word but violated it, by obeying and putting our faith in the living word, Jesus Christ, we now find our life. Now, Adam disobeyed God. And God said, the day that you eat of it, you'll die. But the Bible says that he lived for many years after that. He died spiritually and his body caught up. And now each and every single one of us as descendants of Adam are now born in that falling death nature. Where we were born spiritually dead and our bodies will catch up. But the moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that you what? Need to be born again. Spiritually you become alive and your bodies now catch up. Go and read First and Second Thessalonians. Meaning, we experience resurrection like first, and now our hope, our faith is in the fullness of the resurrection to come when Jesus comes in His glory. Adam disobeyed the word; Jesus failed where, f- succeeded where Adam failed, and now His righteousness becomes our own, and we now can have life because of what Jesus did. Are you with me, church? And Jesus is in a restoration plan, a restoration to restore, to bring us back to his original purpose and plan. If you're walking through Market Basket and knock down a bunch of cereals off the shelf, the person comes and restocks, restores, puts the boxes back where they originally came. God is bringing us back. And our purpose, this side of eternity, is to live with him for his glory By faith and worship team, you can come up. What I love about God and his restoration plan is that he doesn't skip a beat. Eve, through her disobedience, brought death to the man. But because of Jesus, he now commissions the new woman, to bring life to the men. The first evangelists were women. Where the women brought the word of death, hey, sin, do this, brought fullness, fall, our fallen nature. God redeems and says, Women, go bring this word of life through what Jesus did. Jesus will restore everything that the Enemy came to kill, steal and destroy. He will always exceed our expectations. It's on us to stay surrendered and stop operating in the natural where God is trying to elevate our faith, to see Him for who He truly is, so we can go forward and be the people that He calls and creates us to be. We can't do it in our own strength. Jesus is life itself. So this isn't a talk for you to try to get up and go be better. For you to get up and go do better. This is a message saying, surrender your heart. Admit that you don't got this. Lay down your plans for life and pick up the true meaning and purpose of life that can only be found in life itself Jesus. How many times are we looking for a healing when God is into resurrection? Jesus didn't die to make our lives better. He didn't raise to glory to simply give us a better option. He came to give us the only option. And that requires something to die so the new can rise. Stop running to the tomb looking for the living among the dead. Seek him by faith, and he is faithful to meet you right where you are. Stay committed to him. Be quick to run to the cross when you fall short, to the feet of Jesus, and to admit Repentance isn't a one time thing, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. God is a wonder working God. I've seen people set free like that. I've seen people healed, delivered like that. I've seen people prayed for and that sickness, illness gone. And I've also seen strong men and women of faith die. Live their lives. Like Paul says, I got a thorn in my flesh that I prayed for, but God said my grace is enough. I don't know why some people get healed and why some people don't, but it's not my job to understand God. It's my job to trust his glorious purpose and to obey. It's not my job to understand God. It's my job to obey God and trust that he knows what he's doing. God never starts something that he doesn't finish. He starts with the end in mind, which means that to him, who it is that you are and what you're going through, he's not shocked or surprised. Let me put it this way. When I was born on April 13th, 1996 at 11:02, I was a little baby. The doctors just saw a little baby crying. My mom saw just a little baby crying. But God saw me at 25 as a husband, a father and up here speaking to you today. So the reality then was that I was just a baby. But in God's kingdom, in God's economy, and in God's perspective, this was always a reality. We're going somewhere. So that means that what he promised for us, even though I'm not in the reality of it right now, by faith, it's already so. So when I'm weak, I can say I'm strong. When I'm sick, I can say I'm healed. When I'm broken, I can say I'm whole. When I'm going through tough times, I can say the light is still coming and the best is yet to come. When my kids are going crazy and my marriage is on the rocks, I can say that love will fill my home and we will be restored, reconciled, and united. So just because the reality is dark right now, I know by faith that the light is coming. transcends our human experience it is solid it is real you can trust him you can take the word of God to the bank he is the only one that you can trust holy and I know there's some things that you've been praying for that you've been believing for but the reality is church this is good news We will never see the fullness of what we desire and long for this side of eternity. We are saved, being saved, and will be saved. So there are some things that we are seeking God for, for healing. And God is operating in resurrection. His ways are not our own. So, although he slay me, I will still trust him, the Bible says. Although it hurts and it doesn't make sense and I'm not seeing with my physical eyes, by my spiritual eyes, I'm seeing past the natural into the supernatural where my faith is anchored in eternity. So, what does that mean? God can do whatever he wants. So I'll be the first one to believe with you in faith. And the rest is in God's hands. Regardless of what I'm experiencing in the natural, I trust him. We all know the verse, all things work together for the good of those that love him or are called according to his purposes. So everything... In my natural mind, I can't comprehend it. But by faith, I can step into the reality that everything, as long as I'm in alignment with his heart and his purpose, is going to work out okay. But there's another side to that. Don't be honoring God with your mouth and living in your own purpose. It's according to his purposes that things turn out for good. If you're learning, if you're doing your own thing, don't be speaking that verse. That prayer is sitting in the ceiling. Stay surrendered, humbled, because even though I'm not seeing right now what I want to see, me and my mom have never had a really good relationship. My mom has battled things that I will never understand. If I could be honest, it's hard for me sometimes to look out and see God working in your lives. Some of you are strangers. I may never have a conversation with some of you, but I'm seeing God set you free, and I look at my mom, and I see some bondage still there. But it's not my job to try to make something happen and get frustrated. It's my job to just love her, and to trust God and his timing with her. And even if, with my physical eyes in this life, I never see our relationship, what I know it's supposed to be, one day, me and her are going to be in the presence of God forever. And I'm going to look at my mom, fully restored and healed. So there's a difference between the way the world is and the way the world is supposed to be and no, we are in the way the world is right now as Christians followers of Jesus we are called to operate in how it's supposed to be and one day God is gonna bring them into alignment so until that day comes I don't care what I'm seeing in the natural I'm gonna love I'm gonna be a faithful I'm gonna obey and I'm gonna do everything in my power to surrender keep my heart soft, not get offended, not get angry, not take matters into my own hands, but to acknowledge Jesus for who he is. John says this, and I'm going to close here. I am the resurrection and the life. This is Jesus speaking to Martha. And what's crazy is that Jesus let Lazarus die. So although you may see something that looks one way, our trust is anchored in eternity. So I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this? And he says, Martha, but I put a blank because insert your name. Do you believe this? I can't believe for you. The first step to gaining true life and walking in your purpose is by staying submitted to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And regardless of what we see in the natural by faith, God exists outside of that and transcends it so that way I know and have confidence in what's to come. So that frees me to not force things in my day-to-day, but to truly be a man and woman of God of faith, to be true light and salt, to be the new normal, to truly be the church at work, at home with my family, and to bring more people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, where Christ is now shining through me. I have a couple action steps for us today. The first one is for us to stop complaining and be thankful for life. What if you woke up today with everything that you thank God for yesterday? What if you woke up tomorrow with everything that you thank God for today? There are billions of people around the world that would kill for the problems that you have. So, by faith, I can have a thankful heart. Because even if he never does another thing for me, the best is yet to come. The second one is be intentional in your day to day, in creating space for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus by experience, not just head knowledge. Get in your word, start a Bible plan. Solid 15, that's just a starting point. Worship, prayer, the word, grow. Be devoted. Go after the presence of God. Seek him. Press in and watch your faith grow and watch the fruit of his spirit become more evident in your life. And the third one is to stay surrendered to him. And if you've never made the conscious decision to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life, this is your moment. So we're gonna worship right now. And we're going to sing, honestly, my favorite worship song of all time because it's simply a prophetic declaration of the reality that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do all things and that he's conquered the greatest enemy of humanity, death. And by his spirit, he strengthens us and works in and through us. Our purpose this side of eternity is to live with Jesus for his glory by faith. And when the heart is right, that practicals in life always work themselves out. The word of God says, may your life prosper as your soul prospers. Seek first the kingdom. Jesus says, I am the kingdom of God. It's here. Seek first Jesus and everything else that you worry about, he's got to control and you're going to be more than all right. So, church, come on, let's stand. Let's surrender. And let's worship. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.